Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Sin leads to a hardness of heart. This is the danger of dabbling in sin. What it does is it creates a hardness in our hearts. You see, the more we sin, the less capable we are of hearing God's voice because God speaks to our hearts. But when our hearts become hardened, we can't hear what he's saying. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 through 19, in a message titled, Exhort One Another. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So he's continuing with the exhortation to hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. And as he's already done several times, he continues to reference the scriptures. Uh, To us, we would consider them the Old Testament, but he considers to reference the Jewish scriptures. So he exhorts them to hold firm. And then he says, quoting from Psalm 95, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And Then, verses 12 through 14, this is where he gives a very clear warning on the one hand, but he also gives within the context there, he also shows us the protective measures that we are to take so that this kind of thing that he's talking about here doesn't happen. What is he talking about ultimately? He's talking about departing from the living God. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So he wants them to understand that to leave their faith in Jesus would be nothing less than departing from the living God. They would be doing, by going back to Judaism, they would be just like their ancestors who went into idolatry. They forsook the living God for false gods. The author is saying, essentially, if you were to do this, you would be basically doing the same thing you would be departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So there's a couple things that I want us to see. First of all, I want us to see what leads to this departure from the living God. And he mentions it here. It begins with the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. We have got to get this straight. We've got to be clear about this. Sin, by its very nature, is deceptive. By its very nature, it's deceptive. Many places in, especially Paul's writings, he uses this phrase, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Why? He knows that the deceiving power of sin. You see, what sin does is sin promises but it can never deliver. Sin promises that if you just you know, follow after certain things, you will have the good life. You'll be blessed if you just you know, give yourself over to these certain things, but the promise never materializes. That's the deceptive part of sin. It tricks us into thinking that 
these things that God says are harmful are not harmful. That these things that God says are, are evil and bad and destructive, oh, they're not really that at all. They're actually beneficial and, and you, know, you need to buy into this. Sin is deceitful. Later on in this same letter, he speaks of the, the passing pleasures of sin. This is another thing about sin. There's a momentary or a temporary pleasure to sin. Of course, if sin was just you know, what it ultimately is on the surface, none of us would engage in it, right? Sin is deceitful. It is destructive. It promises liberty, but it brings bondage. It promises love, but it never can deliver on love. It promises fulfillment, but fulfillment never comes. It promises happiness, but it always, in the end, delivers misery. So note that, first of all, sin is deceitful. Secondly, sin leads to a hardness of heart. Sin leads to a hardness of heart. This is the danger of dabbling in sin, of, of willingly going into things that we know God has forbidden. What it does is it creates a hardness in our hearts. That's why he says, today, if you hear his voice, the, the question is really, if you hear his voice, you see, the more we sin, the less capable we are of hearing God's voice. Because God speaks to our hearts, but when our hearts become hardened, we can't hear what he's saying. As some people go to the point of thinking, well, I guess God isn't really concerned about this. After all, he hasn't said anything to me about it. I don't hear God speaking to me about it. I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with this. Well, that's why God gave us a Bible. Because we can come to the place where, we're, where our hearts become so hardened, we can no longer hear in that sense. We no longer have the sensitivity to the spirit. We get to a point where we're no longer convicted. Doesn't mean God's changed his mind about the situation. Just means our hearts have become hard. But God gave us a book called the Bible that tells us what's right and wrong. And that's where we are to draw our understanding about those things from. So sin is deceptive, sin hardens the heart, and sin leads into a lifestyle of unbelief. And a lifestyle of unbelief is basically a lifestyle that just shuts God out, and you become the authority. You become the one who decides what's right, what's wrong. You decide what you're going to do and not do, and it's all rooted in this idea that, well, God hasn't really spoken. God hasn't really said anything regarding these kinds of issues or whatever the case might be. So there's so much of this today in our culture. There's this unbelief that is rampant. You know, it's, it's astounding to me how people... Now, of course, out in the world, you, you kind of expect unbelief, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. But the, the thing that's astounding to me is the unbelief that is rampant in much of the church today. But where does it stem from? It stems from this evil heart. It stems from a heart that's hardened against God and rebelling against God's authority, rejecting the plain statements 
of Scripture because it doesn't fit with your lifestyle. It doesn't fit with your worldview. It doesn't fit with what you want to see or do. And the final step in this process is a departing from the living God. So the deceitfulness of sin, the hardness of the heart, the, the, the unbelief, and then it, it finally leads to a departing from God. You see, in the end, you can't deny God's word and his authority over our life and maintain a relationship with him. It doesn't work that way. Our relationship with God is connected to our obedience to him. And he shows that at the end of the chapter here. So these are the dangers. This is what he's saying to beware of. And, you know, the truth of the matter is this. Every one of us have to take heed to this because guess what we all have? We all have an evil heart that is inclined toward unbelief. We, we all have that. That's, that's, that's the problem. And because the reality is all of us have these issues of, of sin deep in our hearts, we all have to be on our guard. We all have to fight against this. This is not just a problem for a few people, a minority. This is an issue for all of us. And of course, as God's people, we have a new heart. We are a new creation, but we have alongside of us the old nature that is constantly warring and fighting and wanting to take control of our lives again. So how do we prevent this kind of thing from happening. He tells us here, he says, exhorting one another, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Listen, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So this is a protective measure that we are given. The protective measure comes through our commitment to one another. Now, listen, as a Christian, you cannot survive alone. You can't. God has designed that we be part of his family. We be part of a body. There, there's a strong individualistic mindset in our culture. You know, it's all about me. I can do what I want. I don't need anybody's help. I can stand on my own two feet, however you want to express it. There's a strong individualism in the culture, and that individualism, it makes its way into the church. And so we become Christians, but we don't think of ourselves as connected to anybody else or dependent on anybody else or responsible for anybody else. We just think in terms of me and I've got my personal relationship with Jesus and that's all that matters. And we don't see ourselves as, as needing one another, but we need each other. That's the point that he's making here. And so he's reminding them that they need to be watching out for each other. We all have these propensities. We all have these inclinations where we can easily be led astray. How do we avoid this? We exhort one another. The word exhort here is the word parakaleo. It's two Greek words together. It means to come alongside of. 
Paracletus is the, the words that are used when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper. It's the same words, basically. So to exhort one another means that we come alongside of one another. We need each other. We come alongside one another. And we help each other. That's, that's the point. Our battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's more than we can handle on our own. We need the support of one another. So what does it mean to exhort one another, as he's saying here? Well, let me give you just three things. Number one, it means to pray for each other. It means to pray for each other. But listen, in order to effectively pray for you or in order for you to effectively pray for me, I have to know a little bit about you, right? We have to have a certain degree of vulnerability with each other. We have to be able to be honest and open with one another. You know, the attitude in churches, and, and we've had it, of course, in our church as well, it, it's just, it's prevalent, I think, in many churches, is that you, you come to church, and you put on your best smile, and you put on your best attitude for the time that you're here, and you pretend like everything's great, because, of course, as a Christian, everything's supposed to be great. And you don't want anybody to think that you're not doing great, because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. I don't know where we ever got that idea. It's not really a biblical idea. When we come together, we're to come together to encourage each other, to help each other. And if we're pretending that everything's great when it's not, we're not really going to be able to help each other. So we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest. But we have to have an environment where people know that they can be honest where people are, are free enough to say, you know, look, I'm struggling with this. Most people don't do that because here's what they think. They think, man, if I tell them I'm struggling with this, they're going to kick me out of here. They're going to tell me, you shouldn't be here if you're struggling with that. That has happened many times over. And that's something that we have to realize. No, that's not the way we deal with each other. When somebody is struggling, when somebody's battling, when somebody is deceived by sin or maybe their heart's growing hard or whatever, this is the critical time where they need others to be able to speak into their life. They need to be vulnerable or able to be vulnerable and say, look, this is, these are my problems. Can you help me? So we pray for each other. We're honest with each other. But again, in order to do that, we really have to, we have to trust each other, don't we? And we have to see that this is God's way that things are done. There's to be a consistent engagement with God's people. Doesn't mean you come to church every day. It means that you connect with God's people consistently and regularly. So there's prayer, number one. Secondly, there's in exhorting one another, we instruct each other. We instruct each other. And of course, the ideal situation is for each of us, we're, we're all getting ministered to on um, a personal level. You know, maybe it's through a sermon that's being preached. Maybe it's through a podcast that you're listening to. Maybe it's through your personal devotion. God's really speaking something to you. But then what happens ideally is you, as you come together with brothers and sisters, you instruct one another. Hey, let me tell you what God's been speaking to me. Let me, let me share with you what I heard this guy say, and it really, it really spoke to my heart. And as we do that mutually, that 
exhorts us. That's what he's talking about. That builds us up. That strengthens us. And then the third thing I would say, and we could probably go on with a longer list, but for time's sake, let me say one more thing. In exhorting one another, you know, we need to challenge each other. One of our biggest problems, I think, is the tendency to settle for far less than what God has for us. One of our biggest problems today is to just kind of settle into a comfortable situation. And we need to challenge one another. We need to, to really, you know, lovingly, graciously, not in a condemning or a judgmental way, but we need to be able to look at each other and say, hey, what are you doing with what God's given you? How are you really serving the Lord? How are you making a contribution to the kingdom of God? Because that's what we're all supposed to be doing. And you know, the fact of the matter is there are huge opportunities all over the world today. There are, there are multitudes of open doors. There are tremendous needs. So we need to challenge one another as well as instructing and praying for one another. So this is what it means. Among other things, this is what it means when he says, but exhort one another. But again, let me focus on this for a second. He says daily, daily. We have to be committed to this. There has to be a consistency in our lives. Find fellowship with God's people. Get plugged in. Exhort one another, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, what he's saying here is if we neglect this, we will go the way of our evil tendencies. If we neglect to spiritually build ourselves up, things don't remain neutral. If we neglect to build ourselves up spiritually, guess what? Sin is going to start to resurface and it's going to start to take over our lives again. That's what happens. It's a constant battle. We have to constantly be fighting against the natural tendencies towards sin. And then he says here in verse 14, for we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now, the great concern here, as I think I mentioned earlier, the great concern is that these guys, having started, end up not finishing. That's his concern. And so once again, he reminds him, just as he did in verse 6, we are part of his household if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of hope for him to the end. Now here in verse 14, he's essentially saying the same thing. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. But then he goes back into their ancestors. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? You see, what he's saying is, look, all of our ancestors, they came out of Egypt. They were led by Moses. They followed Moses. But what happened? They didn't make it to the promised land. And you see, the, the primary Thing that he's wanting us to understand here is it's not how you begin that's as important. It's how you end. It's how you finish. They all began, but they didn't finish. And why didn't they finish? They didn't finish because of unbelief and disobedience. Notice the last two verses, 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey 
So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You know what's interesting? These two words, not obey or disobeyed, and unbelief, they're the same Greek word. One's translated disobey, the other's translated unbelief. Why is that? Because the one word pretty much means the same thing. Because unbelief always will lead you to disobedience. That was their problem. They didn't believe God, and so they didn't obey God. And we must learn from them. That's what he's saying to these guys. And and I I think it's interesting because he's referring back to the first generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt. These are really the first generation of Hebrews who put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. This is right there at the beginning. These are, I, I believe, Jerusalem Jews. And so the, the parallels are very interesting. He says, look, don't let, don't let what happened to your ancestors happen to you. And we're, of course, far removed from that, but we still live with the same dangers. And so we've got to take the same instruction to heart ourselves. We've got to recognize there's all kinds of temptations and and things going on all around us all the time that are wanting to pull us away from Christ and back into the world or back into just religion. You know, for them, it wasn't so much they wanted to go become pagans. They just were going to go become religious, a dead religion. And, you know, I think there, today there are people that are being tempted toward that as well. Well, you know, man, I've heard people say this. You know, I don't like that church over there. They're, you know, they're too hard. You know, they're, 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 they're too demanding in their preaching. I, I want to go to this church over here. You know, they don't really require anything of you. And there are people that are going to gravitate toward those places where there's no accountability. There's no requirement. There's no belief in the absolute authority of Scripture or that God is a living God and he's active today in your life, there's, there's no belief in that. And some people are going to depart, in a sense, from the living God to go back to those kinds of things. But may that not be the case with any of us. Having begun, let's finish well. That's the important thing. Not drawing back. And, and like I said, this is the second of these several warnings in this letter. But as I've said before, as we've been studying Hebrews, you know, what we really need to get a hold of always in, in, in fresh ways is we need to get a hold of the glory of Jesus. That Jesus is better than anything. He's better than everything. He's better than everything that preceded him spiritually. And of course, if he's better than all that God initially gave. He's better than anything the world has to offer. He's better than anything the devil has to offer. He's better than anything the flesh has to offer. He's better than anything. And it's when we get that reality driven into our hearts that, you know, there's nothing that compares with Jesus. He's the greatest. He's the ultimate. He's the best. Then these other things are naturally less of an issue for us. So, God help us to just keep growing in our love for Jesus and our understanding of his greatness and of his glory.
For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.